Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Gregory Polanco, and then in the end, the Pirates just wait a few extra days and release him. Originally, it was reported designated for assignment, but it was a release. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of confusing, and it's been confusing from the beginning because uh, we don't need to go back completely, Chris, but just to recap shortly is he was put on outright waivers this past Sunday, so like not a couple days ago, but the Sunday before was misreported by Rob Beertemple that he was being, you know, they were cutting ties, so they were saying outright waivers, thought it was a DFA. We explained that to everybody. And then there's like a little bit of a mess in the middle that I want to deal with a little bit because Polanco makes a terrible, he's he's still kept in the lineup. So he makes like this terrible play that allows like runs to come in on Wednesday night. So then Polanco is, I don't want to say made, but he goes out and has to speak to the reporters on Thursday and is talking about how he, how much he loves to play the game. He plays it with heart and, and all this stuff. And then he goes out and has like this really great game in a comeback victory on Thursday night. And then I'm sitting at a six-year-old's birthday party on Saturday and it comes out that he's released. So number one, I've written about this. I've talked about this. We've talked about this. The, the Pirates just didn't handle this well. It, it The first part was not their fault because they put him on outright waivers. That usually does not get leaked. Once it was leaked and it was misreported, then like people are chanting DFA from the stands. And so they have the, like, they have the guy come out. Like You don't have to have the guy come out. They hit Mitch Keller like two times during the season, like, you know, when he wasn't pitching well, it was like, yeah, he's not he's not available to reporters or whatever. The guy comes out and speaks, and then you release him. So number one, this whole situation is on the idiot that leaked it, Rob Beer Temple for misreporting it. I feel like it's on, I think it's, uh, oh God, I can't remember the guy's name. His, his last name's Hart. I think it's like Dan Hart. For having Polanco available to speak to the reporters, and then when they actually make the move, they report it as a DFA, which it actually wasn't even a DFA. It was a release because you want to release the guy to give him a chance to sign before September 1st, which it may come before you listen to this, but they report it as a DFA, and then like 30 minutes later, they're like, oh, no, no, it's a release. So, Chris, this whole situation was just handled ridiculously poorly by everyone in the Pirates. It's it's just one of those things where it's like, you know what? Our team is already terrible. They're going to be like in the top four of picking. So they're going to pick number seven. 
They're going to pick number one. They're probably going to pick two, three, or four. And you can't even handle a outright waivers and a release of a player appropriately. The total amount of money over his career that Gregory Polanco has made is $31,476,650. Now, as a radio disc jockey in the early 2000s and the late 1990s, uh, I got fired from a job one time just because in Reno, Nevada, the radio station did like a random survey and a certain amount of female listeners thought my accent made me sound angry. <laughs> it wasn't because of my ratings. It was because my accent made me sound angry. And I was out of a job for six or seven months. And I was fired in the middle of a show where I was asked to come into a meeting during a commercial break and was fired, unable to return back onto the air and even say goodbye. All right? So... I only made at that job around $40,000 that year. And that was what my contract was in my early 20s and my first year on this radio station. So we all have bad moments in our places of employment, but 99.99% of us don't make $31 million in change and then have a rough couple of days on the way out the door. He's a grown man playing a child's sport, making generational money. I don't care if people were chanting DFA at him while he was standing out there. He should have played better. If he didn't like it, if that hurt his feelings, maybe he should have been a better baseball player. You know, look, the team can only do so much. They can't control the leaks. It's hard for me to sit there and say, uh, poor Gregory Polanco and the team really screwed the pooch. Could things have been done a little bit better? Sure. Is Gregory Polanco hurting as much as 99.999% of Americans when they lose a job? Absolutely not. I mean, anybody that's really upset about this, I'm sorry. You also think that Javi Baez is okay giving thumbs downs to his fan base in New York when he's playing for the Mets because he doesn't like being booed. Give me a break. He makes a ton of money. He plays in a game where he knows if he doesn't perform, he can be released. And upon his release, he made an extra $3 million to go away. I will not shed a tear about Gregory Polanco or his feelings. He should have played better baseball. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that, Chris, at all. I mean, it's in the big picture, this doesn't mean anything. This will be forgotten. Uh, he was going to get bought out at the, at, you know, at the end of the season anyway. It was, just, it was just a frustrating week to be a Pirates fan. To have this, like, basically filling up the entire week when it could have been just a a one day story. That that's where my frustration comes from. You want to be you want to be really frustrated. Your team could have just kept him along in the outfield where he served no purpose, taking up at bats where you weren't able to take a look at other players, and then your team could have done something stupid like keeping him next year as well. So there's a lot of other really bad things that could have happened here. Oh, absolutely. Getting rid of him was a much better outcome than a lot of the other outcomes that could have happened, you know, including another thing that I really liked this week, getting rid of your hitting coach because you have the worst OPS out of every team in Major League Baseball as of right now. You are the worst hitting team in baseball. Yes, make that move. I don't care if it's an interim. Heck, let them all just go out there without a hitting coach for a couple for, for a month and a half. Who cares? I have no problem with that. You know, it's a rough business 
but it's a business like anything else. And we would all be so lucky to have a job in baseball, wouldn't we? Like, wouldn't you? Oh, that's a dream. That's right? a dream, man. I mean, like, if somebody told you, Craig, you're going to get to go and coach baseball, or you're going to get to go and play baseball, and you're going to go out there and do a mediocre to bad job, and you're going to make more money doing that, even as a coach, then you're going to get in pretty much any normal job that the majority of the public gets. And unfortunately, though, after getting to do all that fun stuff being around a baseball team, you might be fired a month or so before the season ends and get to go home to a big giant house that probably adjoins a golf course, or in the case of Polanco, could literally be on an island, and that would be one of his many houses if he chose to live that way, right? And you're going to have to just go home a couple of weeks early. Now, it's, please, put it in perspective, all right? I mean, it, it, this is... They know what the score is when they go in, just like I knew when I packed up all my stuff and moved from Wheeling, West Virginia, where I was doing radio just outside of Pittsburgh, and moved 3,000 miles across the country to Reno, Nevada, that my job wasn't guaranteed because people get fired in radio all the time. When they fired me, I had a couple extra drinks that night, I went and sang My Way by Frank Sinatra in front of a, a group of people that were random strangers. My girlfriend at the time was now my wife came in and dragged me out and got me some food in my belly. The next day I woke up and moved on with my life. If I can do that, you know, make it $40,000 a year. This is, this is life. Okay. We, you need to find guys that are good at their jobs and put them in here. I have no problem with the pirates cutting bait on any of these people. Yeah. And Rick Eckstein was, was one that was kind of, uh, he's one of the three holdovers, uh, from the hurdle, uh, Huntington era. Uh, you still have a Justin Message who was the he was like the assistant pitching coach under Ray Searage. They moved him out to the bullpen. Uh, we still have Joey Cora over at third base. And as much as people you know hate Joey Cora as a third base coach, I don't think you can underestimate what he brings to the table as an you know, an actual ba baseball coach. And a lot of teams value him a lot. And if he goes away, he's going to get a job someplace else. But again, if the Pirates decide they don't want Joey Cora around, goodbye. It's not a big deal. He'll be fine. He's got a mansion someplace and he lives very comfortably and he spent his entire life around baseball where most of most people are going to work at a factory or looking for work right now in the middle of a pandemic. I, give me a break, okay? Whoever you want to get rid of, get rid of. As a fan, you know what you want? The best at everything. You want the best general manager, the best PR guy, the best guy who comes up with, with the promotions at the stadium, the best people that run the ticketing and, and what kind of food is going to be inside of the ballpark. You want the best communications person that you can find for the best experience when you're sitting at home and interactivity with your team. You want the best ball players, most importantly, out there. You want to find the best manager and the best coaching staff and the best trainers so the guys that you have that are out there are around for 162 games plus playoffs. You want the best at everything. If somebody is below average or worse, whatever, goodbye. Yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, like with Eckstein, he was kept around uh, mostly because uh, Josh Bell, who's no longer here, Adam Frazier, who's no longer here, spoke up for him and spoke up to, you know, what he could do. And in 2019, the Pirates, you know, Josh Bell had one of the most historic, you know, months in the history of baseball there was you know you saw brian reynolds come up and now we know you know brian reynolds it wasn't just a flash in the pan but you have him come up 
and competing for Rookie of the Year and the batting title. You have Kevin Newman coming up and competing towards the end of the year for the batting title. So you have all this stuff on the table. So I, I can see why they didn't get rid of him. You know, if if you want to look at 2019, you can. It, it, people try to throw that away, but as for evaluating a, a coach, you can't completely throw it away because it's like, okay, how these guys do in 2019? How they do in 2020? How do the guys that were still with you bounce back? If you want to give Eckstein, you know, Frazier's, you know, great first half this year, I mean, you can definitely give that to him. If you want to give him a little bit of, you know, Moran developing, you know, some power and different stuff, okay. But then you also have to take away, you know, Kevin Newman's horrible past two years. You have to take away, you know, Brian Reynolds struggling last year and actually just going back to what he did previously and and, and finding success in that. So, I mean, here's my thing is like, it's not like that a lot of these guys have been turned around. There's guys that come in, they hit real well for a couple weeks. And then once, you know, the hitting coach can actually get his claws into him for a longer extended period of time, they fall off. So he's, I guess it would be saying, Chris, he's not making the best of the players that he's dealt. He's not going to be dealt some of the best, you know, the the highest level of playing because the Pirates kind of stink right now. But I haven't seen anybody that's, you know, shown up and he's actually made better for an extended period of time. Listen, 27th overall at this point in batting average, 25th overall in on-base percentage, and dead last in 30th place uh, for OBP out of all teams in Major League Baseball. You know, before I went and got fired in Reno, Nevada, I was the number one morning guy 12 years and older across all age groups, men and women, the year before in the stop before Reno, Nevada. What have you done for me lately? And it's the same thing when it comes to coaching. All right, Mike Pierzak is up next. He's going to sit down and talk with Craig. They're going to talk Pirates baseball because this is Bucks in the Basement. Found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at BucksInTheBasement.com. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms right now at creakybone.com. Got one of our favorite guests here returning, Mike Piersack, Pirates beat writer for the PG. Go and read his stuff. Uh, Mike, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing well, man. How are you? About to go into September, and you guys had the opportunity to 
kind of sit down and uh, and talk with Ben Sherrington about you know what his plan was going to be for September. As everybody knows, it's going to twenty eight instead of forty. Um, what can you tell us about what you're going to see maybe here with uh, with Ben Sherrington's approach going into the last month of the season? Yeah, I think there's still some some um, I guess like dominoes to fall here. Like uh, I think that they're going to try to give guys a shot up here, whether that's, um, you know, maybe in the case of like a Cole Tucker or, or a Philip Evans or something like that. Uh, guys who like, maybe this is their last chance, right? Like show us something at the major league level or, or, you know, never show us at all, you know, like, and I, I don't know, I don't know for sure. But, you know, if Cole Tucker struggles, I don't know for sure if they're going to like, you know, DFA him and get him out of here or anything like that. But I'm just saying that like, uh, I think you'll see some guys that we've seen before come up and, 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 you know, get another chance. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to see if, if, you know, other guys on the 40 man and they still have an open 40 man spot, by the way. Um, if, if other guys on the 40 man are, are, are going to get chances that like are further down, like O'Neill Cruz, does he, does he ever get a look this year? Like, is this the time to allow him to sort of make his major league debut and, and start to see what, um, what that production in double A looks like on the major league level. I don't know. Um, I don't know if they're going to end up having space for it. So, and, and, you know, some of it will depend on like, is Michael Chavis actually hurt? Does he have to go to the injured list? Is key Brian Hayes actually hurt? Does he have to go to the injured list? Like, um, so, so there'll be some stuff with that, but, but I think like Gregory Polanco leaving is one of the first dominoes. And now you have a 40 man spot to fill and, and a guy that can come up to the major leagues and, um, you know, I'm just kind of really interested to see exactly how they treat it, but but I think that you will see sort of a, a you know multiple guys come up. You know, I mean, initially it's going to expand here in a couple of days, and and you can go up to 28 uh, men on your roster. Would you see that being used for you know a bat and an arm, or uh, we've heard like maybe two arms? Um, how do you think maybe they could approach that just in the immediate future here? Yeah, I mean, I think like uh, in terms of like usefulness, I, I think they could certainly use an arm. Whether it ends up being, um, you know, someone to eat up starts and they spread out their current starters or, or what have you, or even just a bullpen guy. Like even if it is just Jay Spitzbarth or, or Hunter Stratton or someone else down there um, who can just help ease the burden on some of these guys because. Um, the reality of it is some of the starting pitchers have been, uh, getting ground down a little bit, but like the bullpen, they have to make up for that too. You know what I'm saying? Like this, this, this weekend in particular was, um, pretty straining on the bullpen when you had Steven Bronco only three innings on Saturday, uh, Will Crow only, you know, only went five innings, I guess, you know, five innings is what you expect, but you know what I'm saying? Like they still have to fill those next four innings. Um, so like, you know, functionally, I think that that would be helpful for their team, but, um, you know, I would imagine that they're, that they're really approaching this from a perspective of like, yeah, we want to help the team and set up the roster best and ease the burden and make sure guys aren't getting hurt. But, it, but at the same time, like we got to get a look at some of these guys, um, on offense to, to decide what they are, you know, are they around next year? Is it worth waiting and holding your breath to see if Philip Evans can recapture some, some of the lightning in the bottle that he had early in his Pirates career? Like, I don't know, you know, and, and, and I know I've mentioned it twice and I, I don't really have any inkling that it's going to be him, but, but, you know, there are a couple guys down there that are like, um, you know, you could, you, you probably want to give them another hack at the major leagues and see what they can do before you're making any large scale decisions about them and your future plan. So, 
Um, so, so I, I'm not totally sure exactly how it's going to break down. I, you know, Ben Sherrington obviously isn't going to tell us, oh yeah, we're calling up this guy and this guy, like on the call. <laughs> uh, I, wish, I wish he would. Chad Cool, who, you know, had been stretched out as a starter to begin the season, was injured, stretched back out again. Um, unfortunately, you know, had to go on, on the COVID I, uh, reserve list or whatever they call it. It's not the COVID IL, but a lot of people call it that just because it's easier to call it that. But, you know, had gone on that. And, and since he's come back, um, has been in the bullpen, you know, did go two innings the other day as opposed to just the one inning. Um, is this like maybe a plan for Cool, or is this just a product of there's not much more time in the year? Why build him back up again? You know, because he'll get bit, built back up, and by the time that happens, the season's over. The way that he's explained it is that it is a plan, that the plan is to go out to the bullpen um, and build back up. Uh, like it's not the end of his starting career or anything like that. Um, but I do think that it's like, I think the pirates are interested to see what he does like, uh, out of the bullpen because they do have a whole lot of like fringe starting pitching. Like they could use a couple of rotation spots heading into next year for guys like Miguel, Yahoo, um, or, or Max Kranich even who, uh, probably have proven all they need to prove at triple a. Um, and so like, you know, Time to time to see what they can do next year. So so I think that it's kind of maybe looking ahead to that to see if uh, Chad Cool would be a good candidate for that role. But at the same time, like uh, you know, personally, it's pretty odd to view, right? Because Chad Cool is one of their best, like arguably their most consistent starting pitcher this year. Yeah, <laughs> when he was going. So like uh, you know, I, I don't think like I get where they're coming from and that he may, you know, he, he, I don't think he's given up a run yet as a reliever. I may be wrong, but, uh, but it's, it's kind of odd to like look at because like, what does the guy have to do to get back in the starting rotation? Like he was, he was fine for them, you know, and, and they've had some pretty bad starting pitching this year um, at times. So like, uh, you know, it's, it's odd to view from like a, 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 a this season perspective um, because he was, you know, solid as a starter, uh, but you know, if his future is more as a reliever for this team, then I understand what they're doing. Um, it's just kind of uh, sort of wait and see to to see exactly how much he can get stretched out out there. Um, you know, if they ever decide this season to turn him back into a starter, um, you know, it'll it'll be interesting just to just to kind of see how things develop. I wanted to get back down to Altoona because you definitely did bring up you know just some interesting stuff as to you know guys that they have to make decisions on and. I think that O'Neill Cruz only has one option year left next year. So it's like pretty much at some point in time, he's going to have to, you know, show what he can do in the majors. People have been surprised the past couple years uh, when he gets an assignment. He does, you know, fairly well at times in spring training this year. He struggled a little bit more, but to get that double A assignment um, as opposed to, you know, the triple A assignment. Uh, it, it's just, it's definitely been strange, but another guy that you probably saw while you were down there, I know you did, uh, Diego Castillo has been fairly interesting. He's been, uh, just as interesting as, you know, as Hoy Park at times, um, in the Clay Holmes deal. Uh, but Diego Castillo is, is pretty much set. He's, he's been in the minors for seven years now, uh, set to become a, a minor league free agent, unless he's added to the 40 man, you know, signed to a, a contract. Uh, what do you see with like, is it, would it benefit him to maybe just see what he can do in the majors for a couple weeks? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure. Like, uh, those are guys that, 
like you know, this is a big deal. This off season is is the Pirates' forty man crunch. Um, they have a lot of guys who are going to be Rule Five eligible, um, and so like they're going to have to make some decisions there, whether it's this year or next year, or, or I guess you know this year or in the off season. But you know, I think that 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 may end up being part of it too. Like uh, it's an interesting way of thinking about it. I think that I, um, you know, when I brought up earlier, like they may call guys up to give them one last shot or whatever. Maybe it's worth calling a guy like Castillo up to see like exactly what you have right now. And if he's worth, you know, adding to the 40 man this year or, or protecting or, you know, going out of your way to, to give him a 40 man spot. Like, well, I'll put it like this. I'm sure that they are, they would much rather have the more robust roster expansion with 40 guys coming up <laughs> yes. in September than just the two men. Cause they have a lot of guys that they could, um, you know, it would, it would behoove them to take a look at for one reason or another. Diego Casillo is an interesting one just because he is, you know, already 20, I guess already, it's not like 23 is ancient, but he's already 23. You know, he's, like you said, he's been in the minor leagues for a long time. He's performed well pretty much everywhere in the minor leagues and, and, and especially this season, um, both in the Yankee system and, and Altoona. So, you know, I'm not sure if, if, if that sort of warrants just like being called up right away. But, you know, he's he's at least an interesting guy that I think maybe goes under the radar a little bit. Do you think that, like, I mean, this is maybe like a little bit of a loaded question, but has has Ben been, like, maybe a little bit too, uh, I don't know if it's, it just if he's just been too cautious with, with these promotions and not really moving guys along because you have, you're saying about guys getting a shot, like Jared Oliva's, you know, sitting down there in, in, in AAA right now on the roster, does he have a spot? You know, Anthony Alford's been getting another shot. Um, so what what do you think? Is 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 it been like AAA holding up the rest of the promotions, or are they just being very cautious with with the decision making here? Well, I I think that there's maybe two parts of it, but but uh, Ben Sherrington said um, actually this weekend was asked about. Um, you know, promotions and, and specifically with like Nick Gonzalez and Quinn Priester. Uh, Nick Gonzalez is, is now suddenly on fire uh, down in Greensboro. And and Ben Charrington was saying that like, you know, they see some value to keeping like a group of players together too. Like not just not just being comfortable with the coaching staff and their surroundings and forcing a move and, and so on and so forth. But that like, you know, Greensboro is in a playoff race right now and that there's value in development in keeping Nick Gonzalez and Quinn Priester and Tanaj Thomas and, um, you know, whoever else down there to go compete together, to go, you know, try to make the playoffs and, and win a trophy. And, and you know, uh, even if I think that a lot of people don't really view the minor leagues from like a win-loss perspective, and rightfully so, um, but on like a micro sort of, uh, you know, personal level, it, it, the, the Pirates see that there is value in, you know, playing competitive baseball with a group of players who you hope will eventually be playing competitive baseball together in Pittsburgh. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, you're right. The, the other thing that Ben Ben brought up was that the way that, that the minor leagues are this year, where they have the, the cap on the um, uh, domestic reserve list, right? You can only have 180 players uh, total through your, um, you know, minor league system. Like you can't just move a guy up. Like there, there's a bunch of other things that have to go with that, you know. Like you, 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 you uh, either have to move another guy down um, to make room for him, or there has to be, you know, a move at the top to allow 
you know, a, a, bet, a, a leap up or whatever. I, I think that they're kind of trying to figure out as well, like, okay, we, Nick, if Nick Gonzalez deserves a move up, like, okay, well, who's he replacing? Who's the middle infield guy in Altoona that's going to either bump back down or move up to AAA, and then who at AAA is moving down? Like, it's it's a lot more than just, you know, it's not just a, a move and there aren't any repercussions. You have to figure out kind of the one-for-one sort of thing. So there's that side of it, too. So, you know, I guess all of that is to say that, like, I think when you view it from a perspective of, like, you want to see certain players be rewarded for their performance, I think that that's valid. And in that case, like, you can say that, that you can be a little frustrated that, that the Pirates aren't moving guys up as quickly. But I think, like I said, I think that there's just maybe a little bit more to it than, than just that, you know? If you could, give me, uh, and, and, and all the listeners out there, maybe like two guys on the roster that you're looking at to see kind of what they do um, for the rest of the year and, and how that may determine their future and the future like at that position. So let's go with like maybe like a pitcher first. I think that a lot of people are watching Will Crow. I, I actually got a question about this of like, you know, interested to see what he does the rest of the year. I personally think it doesn't really matter what he does the rest of the year. I think he's shown enough to be um, – on the roster next season uh, and at least get another chance to show that he can be more than this. Like, I'm not saying that this is good enough to, to, you know, sign him to an extension and, um, you know, keep him around for forever. But, but I think that he's kind of done enough already to be part of it. So, so the pitcher I'm going with actually is Stephen Brawl because he was injured because he hasn't pitched so much uh, this season. I want to see what he is the rest of the year and I think that we have a good idea of like what Stephen Brault is when he is healthy like he's been around long enough to know that but if he can find it again and finish off strong I'm curious to see in the offseason what exactly that means for him you know is he a guy that they want to keep around as a veteran pitcher next year I don't know is he a guy that they trade just straight up because his age doesn't match up with their timeline? That That's also certainly possible. Like I said earlier with Chad Cool, um, they could use a couple open rotation spots uh, to get a look at some other guys. So, like, is do they see more value in just kind of saying, you know, thanks, Steven, but, but uh, you know, it's not, it's not going to work out here. And then on the hitting side, I'm just interested in the entire middle infield, basically. Uh, Cole Tucker and... Um, and Kevin Newman specifically, I, I guess we'll probably lean on Cole Tucker in terms of like viewing what he does the rest of the year. Um, because again, Kevin Newman, like we've seen him all year. We know what he is. Cole Tucker though. Like I kind of do think this might be like a last chance, like, come on, man, like put up or shut up time, time kind of thing, because there are so many other, uh, you know, middle infield prospects that, that are going to be approaching the major leagues at least next year. Um, and in the years coming. So, like, uh, you know, he can just get pushed out of the system pretty easily if he doesn't, you know, actually perform. Um, and so, you know, this month, I think that he'll get plenty of opportunities. He'll probably play in right field a little bit. He'll, he'll play second base. He'll probably play shortstop. Like, he'll be all over. And so, like, it's going to be important for him in terms of his future with the Pirates to actually perform well and start to hit the ball and maybe take a few more walks like he's doing in AAA. Like, um, it's just going to be, you know, like I said, important that for him that he shows something, you know. We've definitely dove into a lot here. We've got, we gave Pirate fans just a ton of things to talk about. Uh, I want to say thank you for coming on again, man. You've been uh, one of our biggest return guests here, and, and everybody loves when you come back on. So everybody go read 
uh, Mike and uh, Jason's stuff, uh, they write pretty much like, I swear to God, it's like 30 articles a week on the system, on just, just everything that's going on, you know, giving you insights uh, at the games. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Mike D. Piersack. Mike, thanks again, brother, for coming on. Can't wait to do this again. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Craig. Now I see.